Welcome to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome to The Good Life. Encouraging you with inspirational stories to share with family and friends through perspectives of hope in Jesus Christ. What does it feel like to literally give a part of yourself to someone else? Why would a person make such a sacrifice? How has the life of Jesus Christ transformed a man's heart? to be passionate about God's Word with an aim to equip people to explore and enjoy it themselves. This is the story of Travis Vaklovic, a man of commitment, grace, intellectual gifts, and care for people, all in Jesus' name. We pause to remind you the reason we have the Good Life Show is to share how the love of Jesus makes a difference in the lives of people. I'm talking about the love of Jesus so strong that he died on the cross for your sins. He was buried, yes, and rose again on the third day, offering God's hope. This hope has been embraced and received by Travis, and it's our prayer that you too, dear one, if you have not yet done so, would open your heart to Christ. And you know, if you are already walking with the Lord, well, this is a time to be enriched, to be built up. Pastor Travis Vaklovic, he's the co-pastor at Westgate Church in Weston. He graduated with honors with his Master of Divinity degree from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. He serves on the New England District Association Board for the Evangelical Free Church of America. Travis is married to Jessica. They have one son, James. Travis, welcome to our show. Glad to be here. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Colorado and, uh, you know, got to grow up running around all of the mountains there. And I didn't learn how to ski until I moved away from Colorado, though, so I don't know exactly. I, I kind of, I think I screwed up growing up in Colorado. Say more. What was it like for you growing up there in a place where many people come to and they, they feel like it's, it's home to them? Well, I understand that. The joke that uh, my wife is is tired of by now is that I always say, you know, that I love living in Massachusetts. Uh, I would say it's tied for second place uh, of, you know, all the states. Uh, Massachusetts is in a 49-way tie for second uh, because after Colorado, it's all kind of a wash. Uh, I, I loved growing up in Colorado, but I don't want anybody to get the wrong impression. The part of Colorado I grew up in was very flat, uh, and it was grasslands uh, full of cattle. So uh, not I didn't grow up on the side of a mountain. Uh, but you know, you could see them from where I grew up and, uh, you know, it's just, I love it. Yeah. It's a great place. Who influenced you most in your growing up years? Yeah, I, uh, I, that's a tough question. There are a lot of people who played an important role in my life. And as I think about the ways that, uh, God was at work in my life in adolescence, uh, and early adulthood, you know, I think there's there's one person kind of specifically that I look back on with great uh, gratitude for. And it's a guy that uh, was one of my older brother's closest friends growing up. So I, I grew up around him, uh, but, you know, he was not my friend as much as he was. He was around, and I saw him with my older brother and always kind of looked up to him. And 
he was a Christian. I knew that. I did not grow up in you know a household where we attended church or there was much conversation about these things. Uh, and when the time came in my life that I was uh, wondering about these things, it was when I was in college, and uh, he was older than me and was at the same college that I was, and I knew that I could trust him and, and rely on him uh, when I had questions because I had just grown up with him and, and really admired him. And so I you know, was able to come to him with questions about things, and uh, you know, we opened Scripture together and uh, dug into it together and, and uh, talked about questions of doctrine and theology, and uh, we read good books together. And uh, so you know, obviously my parents played a huge role in kind of shaping my, my, my perspective and worldview and uh, you know, giving me uh, the— the uh, environment in which uh, and the support to to explore and ask these sorts of questions, um, but I you know I point to this this one sort of friend that I had in college as a really critical part What's of my name? life. His name is Rob. Rob. Yeah. What happened in college that or the surrounding circumstances sure. that, that led to you, Travis, coming to faith in Christ? Yeah, I so I had been. Um, exposed to scripture and to the the hope of the gospel earlier in life, but it wasn't something I had really ever taken um, much interest in. To be honest, I, I you know my parents uh, started attending church some, and I was around uh, other Christians some, but it wasn't until I was in a very scary car accident my freshman year of college, um, driving by myself, and it was an accident that uh, really ought to have killed, should have killed me. I mean, it was a very serious car accident. Uh, and it was one of those moments in life that just kind of rattled me really, you know, in, in a way that I realized my mortality. <laughs> Describe the accident. Well, if you uh, don't mind. not, yeah, I, I don't mind. It was, uh, it, I was, I was, uh, was listening to a, a tape. Uh, I was listening to a lecture, a college lecture that I had recorded on tape, uh, to try and study for my midterms. And, uh, I had to turn the tape over, you know kids these days that uh, don't even we're, we've moved so far beyond tapes and past cds so now everything so is digital a, so the a, idea a cassette that, tape. yeah you have to turn the tape over from one side a side b and i i was in i was doing that and i dropped the tape into the the gap between the seat and the uh the central sort of console and so i'm reaching down to try and get it i'm driving on a highway going 65 miles an hour on a highway just a two-lane highway in southeastern colorado and uh I'm reaching for the tape, and I, I get a hold of it, and I look up, and I'm looking at the semi-truck that I hit head-on on the highway. Uh, that was the thing that I saw when I looked up. And I was – I mean, there was no time to react. It was happening. Um, and so it wasn't um, – it, you know, it, I mean, I'm on the driver's side, right? So the, the main impact was right in front of where I was sitting. And I was in a Honda Civic. I mean, I'm not, I was not driving a tank. <laughs> um and, uh, you know, you're driving an accordion. Yeah. 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 And I'm just this little tiny matchbox. And I, I got tangled up with this, you know, 18 wheeler truck. And, um, and yeah, it was, uh, it was a horrendous experience and one that, uh, you know, really obviously, I mean, that would startle anybody. Right. Um, but it was the sort of thing where I felt like all the pieces had been kind of put in place for me when the time that I was, I was sort of rattled to my core and thinking for the first time about the fact that, you know, I am immortal. <laughs> I am a mortal, not immortal. And, uh, and, and, uh, I, I couldn't take these things lightly. I needed to, I needed to start thinking about these things and, and asking questions and, and wrestling with things that I had just kind of brushed off, you know, before. Uh, and 
really what it was was I, 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 my freshman year of college, someone had given me a Bible. You know, I went for orientation. Someone's there from a campus ministry, and they're handing out Bibles. So I got this Bible. And uh, and I and I, I was not a Christian at the time. I, I had no real regard for Scripture, but I did feel like it was awkward to throw away a Bible, and so I had put it on the shelf. I didn't read it, but I didn't know what else to do with it, so it was there on the shelf. And I, I got home. I got back to my dorm uh, after you know I had been through this accident and everything, um, and uh, I grabbed that Bible off the shelf, and I, I yeah I didn't know what I just flipped it open and started reading stuff and. I was just ravenously reading scripture that year. I people that I trusted had encouraged me to 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 trust the words of scripture and and I I guess I was in a moment in my life where I I said, "Well, I want to read it for myself and um and you know, ask my own questions, right? And I want to I want to see what this is really what this really teaches." And I was just ravenously, you know, devouring scripture. I I read you know the whole Bible in a, a few months, and uh, you know I mean I still have that, that Bible in my office at the church building. It's just full of notes and things I had highlighted and questions I wrote in the margin, and and uh, it was I, you know such a captivating sort of thing for me at the time, and it answered questions that uh, that I had had that I didn't know Scripture was was uh, was equipped to answer. I, I you know there were questions about you know why the world is. A messy place, and why things are are not better than they are. And Scripture gives us categories for understanding those things. Um, it it gives us comfort when we realize that we're mortal, and it and it tells us why we're mortal. Right? It it answers questions I hadn't had the wherewithal to even ask aloud yet. And uh, and I, tr- I truly look back on that time in my life and and see that it was my friend Rob, who was a resource to me at the time, who was there to ask me or, or to walk with me, you know, through the questions that I had. But also, you know, recognizing that I, you know, the, the Holy Spirit does work in us when we, uh, when we, when we're reading the words of Scripture. Uh, it's a powerful word that that accomplishes God's purposes in our lives by teaching us and edifying us in ways that uh, maybe we weren't even prepared for it to do. Travis, what were your injuries from that head-on collision? This is going to sound absolutely wild, but um, I had a, a bad cut on the top of my knee. But not bad enough that it required stitches from where, you know, had the whole front end of the car had kind of compressed into where my legs had been, but no broken bones. And I had a bunch of glass cuts in the side of my face. And that's it. Those were my only injuries. I, I walked away from that car accident. Um, my dad still has the drive shaft from that car. And that my drive shaft is bent and ha- like it's not bent 90 degrees, but it's got a pretty severe bend in it. Uh, and he keep he he kept that because it's a sign of how much impact force there was uh, to bend this solid steel, and yet by God's miraculous providence, I walked away. Uh, so it does make me wonder. Not only you just described how it's impacted you, but how it has impacted your your parents, your family, others who know you. You're listening to Pastor Travis Vaklovic. Travis is a co-pastor at Westgate Church in Weston. You can find out more about Westgate Church at westgate-church.org. When we come back, more from Travis. You know, Travis and his wife Jessica moved to New England in 2016 so that he could pursue coursework at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. Well, of course, you've heard 
that he's a, a miracle man, a, a survivor, come out virtually unscathed from a head-on collision with a semi-truck. Well, he's here. He's speaking. God has gifted him with a beautiful voice, speaking voice. So he'll share more when we come back. Stay with us. Wandering the road of desperate life, famously beneath the barren sky. Leave it to me. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is brought to you by generous sponsors. Thank you to Coach Dino Babers and Mrs. Susan Babers, Mr. Edmund Jung and Mrs. May Jung, Mr. Rodney Arias Sr., A1A Electrician, Cedar Assembly of God, and the Thursday Men's Breakfast, Boston. If you, your business, or your church would like to support The Good Life with Dr. Danny, please visit drdanny.live. Join our partnership team. That's drdanny.live. Thank you. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. During uh, his studies at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, Travis served as the youth pastor at Westgate Church. He was appointed an elder. Today he serves as co-pastor along with Bruce Daggett, Pastor Bruce Daggett. Before our break, Travis spoke about a head-on collision. It was part of his conversion experience. It, It reminded him of his mortality, and he ravenously uh, soaked in the scriptures. It was a transforming time. You can find out more about Travis Vaklovic at westgate-church.org. Travis, as you went through that time of such great hunger for the Word, being able to understand how the Word may be applied not only in your life, but how it applies to to the lives of others, how it helps make sense of the world around you. At what point did you sense that God was leading you into the ministry? Well, I think it took me a long time to realize that. I I moved to Texas to continue my undergraduate education, and there was a pastor there that I knew um, that uh, I reached out to, you know, I figured I should go to this church where I know the I know the pastor already, so I'll I'll connect with him. Uh, I had become a Christian maybe six months before this, and uh, and so I reached out to him and we got lunch and uh, he said, "Hey, are you interested in a summer internship with with the youth ministry?" Uh, and I said, "Sure." I, I didn't have the wherewithal to know that uh, you know I've been a Christian maybe six months, maybe any kind of leadership role in the local church is not the best idea. I'm not sure that he knew that I had been a Christian for six months, or he probably wouldn't offer have offered me this type of position, but neither of us knew all the details. 
And so I said, sure, you know. And uh, I figured this would be a great summer of, you know, activities uh, with the youth group and, you know, summer camps and lock-ins and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, and it really was. It was a great experience. And at the end of the summer, they asked if I would stay on and continue the internship during the school year. And that kind of snowballed into a little bit more responsibility and a little bit more and a little bit more. And uh, I'm years into serving at this, this local church uh, when uh, that same pastor that I had had lunch with that, uh, you know, invited me to this summer internship asked, you know, what my plans were after, after graduating from, from college. And, uh, and I, I had no idea. I was just having a good time doing this right now. I, you know, youth internship, that sounds great. I, I hadn't thought any beyond that at all. And I remember him telling me, that uh, it was clear to him and to, to others uh, that were at this local church that the Lord was at work in my life, and he was leading in the direction of vocational ministry, and I needed to figure that out because it seemed like everyone else already had. <laughs> and and I guess I it feels like I was the last one to kind of like, you know, accept that that was where the Lord was actually going. Um, I, I'll, you know, I know that others have had different experiences. I never had a a uh, burning bush type moment where I felt like the Lord has put this burning desire in me to to lead as a, a pastor of a local church. Uh, for me, it was, you know, one door kept opening after another to the point where it felt like this is where the Lord is leading, and if I don't walk through this door, I will feel like I'm disobeying where he is clearly going. And uh, fortunately, the, 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 the wonder of God's grace is that he has given me great joy to to follow where he has led, it has been uh, just a you know a wonderful experience and something I'm very grateful for. The the plans of God are better than the things that we would design for ourselves, uh, even if He chooses things for us that we may not have otherwise chosen for ourselves. I look back now and say I couldn't have drawn this up better, right? And I'm so grateful for the ways that God, in His grace, has led me along uh, to the point you know where I am now. When did you meet Jessica? I met Jessica not long after I graduated from college. Uh, we, she was a part of a college group, a college ministry group at her local church. I was a part of a, a small men's book study. Uh, you know, we were a bunch of college guys reading some theology books together, and uh, we got together with this with with her college group to do a sort of a co-study of the Book of Exodus. It's supposed to be a one semester sort of commitment. We were going to all meet together, and uh, so that was where we met. And um, the uh, the funny story is that the first time we met, the very first time we met, uh, we were meeting at at this uh, the, at at my group's uh, building, and uh, I was there early. I was uh, I was not super outgoing. I would get there. I was there to read these books and and try and learn and grow. I was not uh, you know the most outgoing person. And uh, and I remember. Uh, Jessica and her friend came in, and they were cold, and they were going to turn uh, the thermostat up. And I, I just said, hey, uh, you know, you guys don't pay the heat bill here, you know. That was the first thing I ever said to the woman who would become my wife. I rebuked her for uh, touching the thermostat. And uh, to her great credit, she is just a woman of uh, great grace, and uh, she puts up with me to this day. Uh, we got to know each other there in that study, and, and I realized very quickly that she was uh, just a very godly woman that I wanted to get to know a little bit better. And now we've been married for, oh, almost 11 years. Well, what a start. What a start, Travis. Were there any mentors for you during that season? You talked about Rob early on. But other mentors, as your hunger for the word grew, uh, you, the, you, the pastor's giving you an opportunity in the youth pastor's role. 
mentors in that season of youth ministry? Yeah, so that that pastor who invited me to the youth ministry internship, uh, his name is James. He played a, such a significant role in my life that my son James is named for him. He uh, he is and remains probably my closest friend on this earth. Uh, we get to catch up every couple weeks. Uh, we read. We to this day we still we try to read and discuss uh, books together. Um, we are you know still close. He he pastors here on the East Coast now, so uh, we actually got to travel down and see him for Thanksgiving. Uh, his friendship, not o- not only then but now, is one that uh, is a great blessing to me because uh, he is is very wise and uh, has helped me through and to think through really every turn of my life in pastoral ministry from the very first day. And uh, and so I I you know I can't thank God enough for the role that this this man has played in my life. What did you cherish most about your years? In youth ministry, oh, that's a good question. I think it is really uh, a very wonderful and special thing to get to watch some of the light bulbs go on for kids who are thinking through the gospel. Right? You know, teenage years are a time when there's this this transition happening for for kids who have who have maybe grown up attending church. Um, their parents have have encouraged them and read scriptures with them and prayed with them and brought them to, you know, Sunday school to learn under godly people. And, uh, and, and there's, this, there's this transition that's happening in teenage years where students are beginning to apprehend faith for, the, for themselves some of the time. We pray for every, for every kid that that's what happens. And it's really, it's really a blessing to get to be part of the Lord's work in awakening faith in, you know, a 16 or 17 year old is they're thinking through they, these things that have been kind of building blocks for them all along someone else has handed them these truths and then they begin to like recognize oh i see how these things fit together and why this is such a big deal that you know people have been telling me it's a big deal my whole life to like watch those light bulbs go on uh is just it's a it's a regular reminder of the goodness and the faithfulness and the kindness of god um and uh, I, I always, you know, that's a that's a fun thing to get to be part of. I recognized my role in youth ministry not, um, not to be. How, there's a better way to say this. I did not think that youth ministry was the outsourcing of discipling responsibility. Right? Like I, I think for for Christian parents, um, I I didn't want them to think of me as oh good, Travis is going to take care of spiritual formation for our kids, so now we don't have to think about that. My goal was always to support. You know, if if parents were Christian, right, to support them in their work with their kids, um, and so that was just a it's just a it's a blessing to get to be part of that. It's a blessing to be invited into uh, that process by the Lord and by by these families. And then the other thing is, I would say, conversely, the thing that was just always hugely encouraging to me is there were times in youth ministry when, uh, you know, maybe a sixteen year old would would start coming to church with a friend. And then we get engaged and, and, you know, really start, you know, thinking about some of these things. And then suddenly their parents would start coming with them on Sunday morning, right? It was like they, they were the ones who were reaching out to their parents. And, uh, and, and then to see a whole family begin to, to think about the gospel together um, because of the way that the Lord has, has, has reached into that family through one of their children. Um, what, an, what an 
what an amazing thing to get to see and uh, to, to be a part of. Well, you've got some experiences to, to draw back from as you think about the richness of God's working in the lives of your ministry through youth to reach families. How did God lead you to Westgate Church? Yeah, well, this is another one of those situations where uh, I moved to a new town, and I already knew a pastor there. <laughs> so we moved out to Massachusetts so I could go to school, and I knew one—I knew exactly one pastor on the East Coast, and uh, it happened to be here in Massachusetts. And uh, it was—he was someone I had worked with in the past, doing a few youth ministry things, um, and had a great respect for him. I mean, just a incredibly godly man that uh, I. Uh, respect as a as a preacher and as a just a pastor and shepherd of the people of God and his flock and I thought you know I'm moving out to the east coast to go to seminary and learn more about you know Greek and Hebrew and all these things but uh, I think just attending church and sitting under the the preaching and pastoring of of this 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 guy will probably teach me as much as all the classroom environment that I'll get to be in I was that excited about uh, about getting to uh to to just come and and be part of his congregation. And at the time, it, as it turned out, uh, they had a need for a uh, youth ministry staff position. And um, so they invited me to consider whether or not I would apply for that position. And here we are. It's another situation where, um, you know, God draws things up better than we would have drawn them up for ourselves, right? God opening doors for Travis Vaklovic. Just keep walking through, keep walking through, keep exactly. walking through. With the understanding, it's so clear that if if you don't go through, then you're sliding into the realm of disobedience. But the joy that you've experienced, Travis, living life, going through that, and now with your family, with with Jessica and James, and the way the Lord has blessed you, what a testament of God's work and the potential of what God may do in our lives, what God wants to do in our lives. Westgate-Church.org. You can find out more about Pastor Travis Vaklovic and Westgate Church. When we, when we come back, we'll talk more about what does he see the Holy Spirit? What does Travis see the Holy Spirit doing in the Northeast? And this undergirding theme of a passion for God's Word the love for expository preaching. Why? Why deeper? Why preaching? Why teaching? Why expository preaching? That and more when we come back. Stay with us. The road of desperate life Aimlessly beneath the barren sky Leave it to me I'll lead you home So afraid that you will not be found on behalf of Danny Yamashiro Ministries, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, weekdays at 6 p.m. on WEZE and visiting drdanny.live for more resources. My dear friend, it is because of listeners and donors like you that we are able to spread the message of Jesus' love and bring hope to people like you, your family, and friends. Proverbs 11.25 says, He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. 
Will you prayerfully consider donating to Danny Yamashiro Ministries so that we may continue to broadcast the gospel so believers will be built up and non-believers may form a relationship with Jesus Christ? Visit drdanny.live to make a financial contribution today. That's drdanny.live. And thank you again for supporting The Good Life with Dr. Danny. May God richly bless you with The Good Life. Listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Travis Vakovic is passionate about God's Word. He aims to equip people to explore and enjoy it themselves. He's been working in ministry since 2006, a time that was focused primarily on youth ministry. He's been committed to a vision of discipleship shaped by the gospel, passionate about sharing his life and opening God's word together with the church, that the gospel might bear real and lasting fruit in the lives of those at Westgate Church and beyond. He joins us today. You can find out more about Westgate Church at westgate-church.org. Travis, why such a love for the word and Talk to us a bit about your passion for expository preaching. Well, I think I love the Word because it's how God saved me. It's how God brought me to to saving faith in the gospel and the atoning sacrifice of Christ and the victorious resurrection of Christ. I mean, Scripture is the tool that God used more than any other. There were people in my life that God used to to bring me along, right? Um, Godly men and women who shared truth with me. Um, but in the moments of real, deep searching for truth, it was Scripture that God used to bring me along. And uh, I, I think Scripture is the only, like, miraculous, unexplainable thing that we get to hold in our hands on a daily basis and often overlook and take for granted, right? The, the, the existence of the Bible and its composition is a miracle. The fact that it was composed over the length of time over which it was composed and the various languages from different cultural backgrounds that uh, that produced it, yet the way that it's intertextually linked and uh, in- internally consistent, these are things that if, if you took, uh, you know, things that have been written a thousand years ago and things that are being written today and expected them to to be links in the same chain and ultimately part of one grand narrative, one story that is internally consistent, that would you would say, well, that's, imp- that's stranger than fiction. It's impossible. But Scripture is that. Scripture is this miraculous thing that defies all expectation and explanation uh, for, for how it works, and, uh, and yet— we get to hold it in our hands every day. It's a beautiful thing that is captivating when we take the time to actually stop and think about what it is we're reading from, right? And uh, and that's why I'm I'm passionate about it. I think it's it does the work of God in delivering people to faith in God. Share a bit about expository preaching. Yeah, I, I think expository preaching is a is a very helpful tool for the church. Um, I don't think it's the only tool. I don't think that it's the only philosophy of preaching that is acceptable, but it is the one that I uh, prioritize in my own preaching. Uh, expository preaching is is really founded on the principle that 
uh, our main points and our and our uh, our uh, what we're teaching the people when we stand in the pulpit needs to be bound as tightly as possible to the text itself that is being preached, right? And that that sounds simple. That sounds really simple, but it it is very easy um, to take a text out of its context and and kind of manipulate things in a way, massage things in such a way that we can we can effectively say what we wanted to say and then have scripture come along and back us up. And expository preaching uh, at, at its heart is really a desire to bind whatever I'm going to say my, in my preaching, my preaching outline, the main points of the sermon are all directly visible in the text itself. Uh, so that uh, it really is an attempt to prevent my sin from creeping into, uh, into sermons. I think one of the reasons I value expository preaching is because I know that I am a sinner. I I will, right? I will preach in a way that honors myself or seeks my own ends or or or, or accomplishes my goals if I am if I'm putting uh, myself first rather than Scripture first. And expository preaching is a way for me to put Scripture first and 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 do my best to have Scripture be the guide to our time together when we're sitting you know, listening to a sermon rather than, you know, whatever ideas I have. This is a vital area in terms of integrity of the word in relation to preaching and teaching. And you're holding your feet to the fire there, Travis. What do you see the Holy Spirit doing in the Northeast, mm-hmm. and particularly Boston? And maybe we can go as far as Weston. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, I'm. I am, you know, in the six years that I've been here and and doing ministry in the Northeast, I have reasons for optimism. I feel like the 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 Lord is moving. Churches are being planted. Uh, people are coming to faith. It's a it is a, it's a difficult place uh, to do ministry, but so is every place. <laughs> there is no part of the earth that is without sin, right? So every uh, doing ministry everywhere has has its own difficulties, uh, and one of the things I'm realizing is that uh, you know New, in New England, uh, no one no one is uh, putting on a show, right? If someone you know doesn't believe in the gospel, they'll tell you that they will have an honest conversation with you about it, and and a, and a conversation in good faith about these things. And so I think that there's there's so much opportunity to share the gospel here with people in ways that are meaningful and life-changing because nobody is trying to fake it here. And so uh, I hear stories about, and, and by God's grace, have gotten to be involved with some some of this work where people are are thinking about and coming to faith in things that uh, that has been presented to them by Christians who are just living here and doing doing the work and being faithful to the Word. Speaking about what God is doing, what is God teaching you about leadership in the body of Christ? I think leadership in the body of Christ is, uh, it demands humility in a way that I don't think I had conceived of before. I uh, am right now working with uh, a few guys from uh, the church who aspire to be elders one day, and uh uh, that's a good aspiration, and one that I, I, you know, I, I think you know, Scripture honors that aspiration, and so we've been looking at you know 
Paul's uh, writings in the pastoral epistles about what does it take to be an elder, what are the qualifications for this work. And and the interesting thing there is that uh, there's not a lot of description about what the work actually is. There are descriptions of the qualities that an elder must have, but there's not necessarily a list of here are the things that you need to do. I mean, elders, it says they need to be able to teach, things like this. So there's there's an expectation of some of the responsibilities that elders will carry, but there's not a lengthy job description of what elders will do. And I think that's partly because what elders and leaders in the church, pastors, are called to do is to embody these godly characteristics in a way that uh, God has proven to be faithful because of the way he works uh, in his in the lives of his people to transform them and make them into the likeness of his son, right? So Things like hospitality and gentleness; these are these are callings of leaders in the church uh, that demand humility and selflessness. That uh, is is a testimony to the faithfulness of God, and uh, and so I, I think leadership in the church. Gosh, I I have been a pastor in the current role in which I serve for you know I don't know something going on three and a half years, and uh, I just feel like I'm scratching the surface of the humility that's required. To, to to lead and to be a to be a shepherd and uh, and the cool thing the beautiful thing about that is the more that I learn about the humility that's required the more the, the deeper I get into that the more I learn that Christ has ex- exemplified that humility perfectly right he is the leader of all leaders the king of kings who stepped out of glory to become a shepherd to become the servant of his people for their salvation right for their good and so every time I think well, this is a lot to ask of me. I think about the fact that Christ gave up so much more. He stepped down from such a high platform into the mire and muck in order to love his people. And, uh, and so what's being asked of me as a, as a, as a leader, um, to be a servant leader, to be a humble leader, is a, a, just a, just a, a sliver of the finest hair of a per- percentage of what Christ was willing to do. And so I feel like it's a blessing to learn more about the humility that's required to be a leader in the church because it gives me a better vision, a better understanding, a deeper appreciation for the humility of Christ. When did you hear about a child who needed a liver? Well, a couple of years ago, there was a, a family that uh, my wife and I are, are, are uh, connected to. Um, there's a woman that used to work with my wife, uh, they were both school teachers, and this woman had a grandchild born with a complication with his liver, and he was going to need a liver transplant. And uh, they just reached out to everyone they knew and said, if you have this blood type, would you be willing to get tested to find out if you're compatible? And I had that blood type, and and I know this woman. She's a, a good friend. And I said, of course, I'll, I'll get tested. I've got that blood type. I can get tested. Sure. I was a, just a way to show her that I support her and care about her as she's, she and her family are dealing with this. So I... Uh, I went into the hospital and, you know, had some blood drawn. And then, you know, a little bit of time goes by, a week or so, and they called me back and they said, would you be willing to come back for some more blood tests? And I said, sure. And one thing led to another. And I came back, you know, half a dozen times for for more and more tests each time. And then, then there was a then there was a CAT scan and then there was an MRI. And, and, uh, and then they called one day and said, uh, you know, we – you're the best candidate for this surgery for this little boy who needs a liver transplant. And, uh, my wife and I prayed about that and, and, uh, and we said, okay, we'll, we'll do it. And, uh, we set a surgery date and, um, we let the church know that, uh, this was going to be happening. Uh, and that was on a Sunday morning. We let the church know and Sunday night, uh, hospital called and said, "Never mind, we don't need you anymore. 
there's uh, there's a deceased donor liver available for this little boy, and he's he's in surgery right now. He's gonna he's receiving a liver, so we don't need you anymore. And I said, okay, you know that's uh, <laughs> that's fine. That's relief. I I I was afraid. Right? It's a big. It was a big thing. I've never had surgery in my life. I was afraid, and and there was this wave of relief that I felt in that moment. And then a year goes by. Jarvis, the story continues. The story continues. When we come back from our break, I want you to finish. Finish the story and in our final segment as you speak. I'm just sensing that uh, the Lord is preparing to speak to people's hearts in profound ways. But even in those profound ways, uh, a challenge, a reminder, a testament of love, grace, and giving. More from Pastor Travis Vaklovic, Vaklovic when we come back. You can find out more about the ministry of Westgate Church at westgate-church.org. So he's willing to go. He's willing to, to give his liver. And on that Sunday, he's given word. No, it's already being taken care of. But the story continues. You'll hear more about that when we come back. We'll even have a time of prayer in our fourth segment. Pastor Travis will pray for you for us. Stay with us. We'll be back. Wandering the road of desperate life They must leave beneath the barren sky Leave it to me I lead you home So afraid that you will not be found It won't be long before your sun goes down Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things you do not know. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is a program that was born out of prayer. The Spirit of Christ guides us through prayer, empowers us through prayer, and provides for us through prayer. There are mighty things that the Lord is doing in the Northeast, across the United States, and around the world. Would you like to be a part of God's work through The Good Life with Dr. Danny? Visit drdanny.live. Dr. Danny invites you to join his prayer team. Each month, you will receive a letter updating you on some of the behind-the-scenes developments, prayer requests, along with a devotional that Dr. Danny writes to encourage you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Join the prayer team today and make an eternal difference in people's lives. Visit drdanny.live. That's drdanny.live. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience The Good Life well, today. Before our break, uh, Pastor Travis Vaklovic of Westgate Church was was talking about giving his liver, being willing. He took tests, he had MRIs, he had all kinds of tests and tests and tests, and he was willing to do it and then stop it wasn't needed, but the story continued. You're listening to the Good Life Radio program. If you're tuning in right now, maybe caught the tail end of that last segment, you can get this program in its entirety as a gift to you. Just go to drdanny.live or Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon. It's all available on any of these podcast platforms. Take it, listen, share it with a family member or a friend. Let it be a blessing to them 
as well. Travis, what happened next? Well, a year went by, and um, the hospital called me back. And uh, they said, you know, there's a, there's a little boy, a four-year-old boy, who, uh, who needs a liver transplant. And uh, here at, at Boston Children's Hospital, and um, they, uh, they need a donor. They, they, he, he, there's no one that, in his family that's, uh, I guess, that's compatible or whatever. And, and uh, they still have your paperwork from a year ago. And uh, they, based on pre- a pre- pre- preliminary review, think that you look like a good candidate uh, to be a donor for this little boy. And uh, would you be willing to donate to somebody that you don't know at all? And that's a different question, right? Um, the first time that I that I went up and got all this testing, it was to help someone that I was connected to, right? A family friend. And, uh, and this time it was to help someone I didn't know at all. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, what difference does that make? <laughs> right? Here's a little kid who needs help. And I'm being told that I could help him. Not only that, but I had been through this process a year before, just a million tests. And the, the result of all those tests was that I was in great physical health. I had the ability to do this. And, uh, you know, not everybody, you know, has that. Uh, and I felt like this is a resource the Lord's given me. Even my physical health is a resource the Lord's given me to steward for his glory. And uh, so talked about that with my wife and ultimately you know I, I thought how could I say no to this like how, how like how would I be able to live with myself if I said no to this now you have James yeah your child yeah what went through your mind with regard to your child I'll or tell you, you're a husband yeah your family yeah I'll tell you um, the thing the thing that went through my mind as I thought about um, my little boy and the possibility that um, you know this surgery might not go perfectly for me, right? I mean, it's a huge surgery. And, uh, you know, people had informed me of the risk. And I thought about, you know, the fact that I have a little boy of my own. And uh, and honestly, the only thing I could think of was if he needed help and I couldn't help him. And I would beg people. I would just beg people. I would plead with people to help him. There's nothing I wouldn't do. So I thought to myself, you know, how could I not do this for someone else whose little boy is sick? Um, and at the end of the day, I wanted, you know, if something did go wrong, I wanted my little boy to know that my trust is in the Lord. And God's called us to faithfulness and kindness and charity and, and, uh, and to, to, to love those around us because we have been loved by Christ, sacrificially loved by Christ. And I wanted my little boy to know that if something happened, that was, that was you know, where I was at. That was what I wanted him to see in me. I thought, this is a way I can testify the gospel to my, to my little boy and my family. And, uh, and so I was afraid. I so scared. <laughs> I've never had surgery in my life. And suddenly, I mean, I'm going from zero to 60 here, right? This is not like having a tooth pulled. This is a big deal. And I was so afraid. Um, and, uh, you know, by God's grace, everything went well. I'm, you know, eight months after, nine months after surgery now, I'm feeling really good. No complications at all. 
Um, but at the time, yeah, I was so scared. And, uh, but I thought, I just, I just feel like this is a resource God's given me to steward for his glory. And, um, uh, I've never met this little boy, but I can't stop thinking about him. I love him, even though I've never met him and I may never get to meet him, but I, uh, I, I just had to, uh, to do something about it when I found out that I had the ability to, to do it. So, well, first of all, thank you, Travis, for, for even sharing and expressing what it was like to make the sacrifice, to give of yourself, to go into the hospital and to come out without a part of yourself, but knowing that. It's now giving, giving life to someone else. How did that change your perspective on life and family? Hmm. Well, I think I, uh, before I went to surgery, I wrote a letter to my wife and I wrote a letter to my son. You know, um, one of those things where it's like if something goes wrong, I gave it to Bruce at uh, Westgate. Said, you know, Bruce Daggett. Yeah, if you mm-hmm. if, if something does go wrong, will you give this to my wife? Um, and then she'll she'll you know she'll save this letter for James until he's old enough to understand it. And that was a, that's a weird experience, right? I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that where you think you know you write a letter to someone in, in case you never see them again, right? In case something happens, and this is the last thing you'll ever say to them, you know. And uh, you're a swan song. Yeah, it was. Uh, that's a surreal experience, isn't it? And. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I, I love my wife and my son more now than uh, than I did before because it was it was, you know, it was like that brush with mortality that I had when I was eighteen, and uh, I suddenly was awake to something I hadn't been before, and I was thinking about something I hadn't been before, um, and I had that experience again, and uh, you know, the thing that I was I was suddenly aware of was like, what if, you know, what if this is it, you know. Um, these people, the Lord has given me these people to love and care for, and and I do love them. And, uh, you know, this could be it. This could be the end of our story together. And uh, my only hope is that we get to reunite in heaven one day and praise God together. And, uh, man, you know, I thought my wife is a Christian. and she, she loves the Lord. My little boy, he doesn't know the Lord. I mean, he's a little kid. And I just thought my greatest fear is that, you know, I— I'm going to be here to help him think about these things and read scripture to him and, you know, sing hymns with him. I'm not going to be able to do that stuff. And, and, uh, you know, what if, what if he doesn't ever, you know, think about this stuff, you know, and that I had all these irrational fears about what would, all these things that would go wrong. Right. But I, uh, I think since that time, you know, I cherish the, moments that we have together, the time that we get to share together. I cherish like the fact that he's a he's a little three year old kid with all of his precocious three year old ways and I just love every minute of it. You know? And uh and I think that, that was a that was a big sort of enlightening moment for me at the time. Travis a word a word I know it'll be a tender word, but also a biblically grounded word, a word that you've lived out. A word to someone today who is having to make a a tough decision, hmm. maybe even a life and death decision. A word of encouragement 
to that one or in any even the family of that dear person. Or maybe more broadly, someone that's just going through a really, really rough time. Yeah. But the perspective that God has given you, gifted you with, having the experiences that you've had to speak into their lives. Someone today is at this very moment waiting to hear what the Lord may have to say to them mm-hmm. through you. What would you say? I would say, and my life testifies to this and our scripture testifies to the fact that sometimes the most challenging moments of our lives are the moments that God uses to produce the most beautiful, bountiful fruit in our lives for his glory and for our good, right? Trying times, testing times are the things that refine our lives in such a way that we reason and and wrestle with things that maybe we hadn't thought of before and realize things we hadn't thought of before. We treasure things we had taken for granted before and uh and and it is it is god's grace that does this it is his kindness that brings us to the very brink of destruction so that we will recognize his kindness and goodness and seeing us through those hardships and 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 bringing us out in such a way that we we treasure him and we treasure the blessings like family or like the church that maybe we had taken for granted before or, or, or never loved before. And so if, if there's someone who's listening to this who's in the middle of the worst possible pain, more pain, deeper pain, deeper anxiety than you thought you were capable of feeling, I want you to know that the Lord has not abandoned you to that pain. He's not left you there. He is there with you in it. Our Savior is one who came and felt a level of pain we will never comprehend because it was the perfect relationship of father and son suddenly infused with the sin of humanity and the wrath of God was poured out on his shoulders. And that pain is one that goes beyond. It's orders of magnitude beyond. It is a eternity's worth of perfect love suddenly, suddenly twisted. It's a, it's a pain and heartbreak that we'll never know. And he endured it. So we know that he knows our tears, he knows our pain, and he knows our sorrows, and he has not abandoned us to it because the empty tomb came three, or the empty tomb came just three days later, right? There is victory after this pain. God sees us through it. And on the other side of it, he uh, works good and beautiful things that maybe we hadn't planned for ourselves or realized we needed. A prayer. A prayer for our listeners. Of course. God, I pray with gratitude for the day that you've given us, Uh, even though it may be a day that is full of anxiety and pain, we are grateful for this day that you have given us because we know that you are here with us in it. I pray, Lord, for those who are listening, uh, who are enduring difficult seasons of their own lives, enduring pain and stress anxiety that they did not see coming and that they are unprepared to deal with for even one more day. I pray for relief for them. I pray for relief from whatever circumstances are bringing this pain into their lives. And Lord, I pray that you would sustain uh, by granting a peace which transcends all understanding. 
I pray, Lord, that uh, that you would equip us, that you would give us confidence to face whatever pain this world may bring into our lives by reminding us that you are sovereign and that you are good and that you are wise, that your ways are perfect, and that you will see us through the difficulties that we face here and now, that our confidence in that is rooted in the willingness of your son to suffer and in his victorious resurrection three days later. We pray, Lord, that you would give us great hope in that, great confidence in his love for us, in your love for us, and in the Holy Spirit's work uh, to draw us close to you, even in and through the difficult circumstances that we face in this life. I pray, Lord, that you would equip us, not with platitudes, not with uh, just words of empty encouragement, but with the words of Scripture that testify to the eternal truth that your love is good and sufficient, and that you... Uh, save us through the suffering and resurrection of your Son. I pray, Lord, that you would do that work in our lives and in our hearts, and that you would give us peace in knowing that you are sovereign and wise and good. I pray all these things in your Son's name. Amen. 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 Travis, thank you. Danny, thank you. Timely and tender words from Pastor Travis Vaklovic, westgate-church.org. My friend, God's timing is perfect. And there's no better time than right now, I believe, than to share the love of Christ with someone near you. And look, if you haven't done so, this may be that perfect moment for you to open your heart to Jesus Christ. Go to go to drdanny.live for next steps. Find resources to reach family and friends. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, major platforms. Proverbs 3.27 Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. It's always a blessing to be with you. Thank you to Pastor Travis Vaklovic, westgate-church.org. Until next time, along with my producer and creative director, Brian Torres, social media director, Luke Yamashiro, and guest coordinator, Jan Yi. I'm Danny Yamashiro. Remember, the Lord is with you as you share the love of Jesus with someone today. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of The Good Life with Dr. Danny. We hope that today's program has been a blessing for you and that you may find hope in hearing how God's Word affects people from all walks of life. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is a listener-supported program, and we'd like for you to prayerfully consider becoming a sponsor or donor. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. That's drdanny.live. Be sure to tune in weekdays at 6 p.m. to hear The Good Life with Dr. Danny. Until next time, may God richly bless you with The Good Life.